This is it. This is it. Ooh, please <laughs> let me know. There you go. There it is. If this ain't love, you better let them know. This is it. If this is it. There you go. It's the final it's day. The final day. But, wow, that was, I'm trying to think of what song that was. You don't know what that was? Dude, it's this Huey Lewis, it. bro. Dun, 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 Please dun, dun, dun. let me know. Oh yeah, it's that one. There you if go. This ain't love. You asked for it. I summoned it. Justin Just did say it. so. There wow. You, there you go. That Boom. was it right there. Listen, uh it's Give a, it to him, Sal. It's, it's the a last final, day. Final day to get the nutrition survival guide and the fasting guide for free when you enroll. In the Super Maps bundle. Plus, you get 50% off the form. This is probably the best deal that we've ever done right here. We, Super we, bundle. Single best deal we've ever done. Nutrition survival guide, fasting guide for free, and in addition to that, 50% off of the forum access. Now, this the Super, pretty much sets the super you up. Maps bundle we designed specifically to release in January because it contains all of our Maps programs. You get Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, Maps Aesthetic, Maps Anywhere, and of course, our most popular and talked about program now, Maps Prime, all included, and it's like thirty something percent off the total. Plus, you get all this free stuff. It's the final day. You yeah. got to go now and it's get okay it now. If you're a late bloomer, MindPumpMedia.com. That's where you'll find it. That's where you can enroll. I suggest you turn this off and do that right now. Go get it. T-shirt time. We're, we've been averaging like around what twenty or so. How yeah, we do. the last it's couple like weeks, fifteen to twenty. Last couple weeks we had like sixteen, seventeen, but this week we had twenty-two. You know why? Downloads were up. Double deuce. No, I think it's because last week, the last one, I told people how. All Every right. time I do that, it works. Mm. Seemed to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually whatever you did. You have to tell. <laughs> yeah, usually, typically. Wait a minute, <laughs> sounds magic. Hold on a sec. I just made a connection. <laughs> It's good. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty much all the wow. good, I- good ideas come from Sal. Sweet. Yeah. Good. Uh, who's the winners? I like it. All right. We got 22 people. We got six shirts going out. Yo Gains Fitness. Yeah. Hate losing. Hate me too. Oh, Emily yeah. Elizabeth S. The Man Ant 34. Yeah. Sarah Thompson. It's a manly ant. And finally, you guys' favorite. Calf Implant Doctor. Oh, hey. <laughs> Every one of you, winners, send Calf your name. If that's true, hook him up with some extra I'll shirts. Just, and uh, if you can get that, his brother. contact information from yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that when you send that shirt out. Yeah, will do. Yeah, so send over your name. On the the one I just yeah. read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that out to you real fast. Excellent. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Are we on? Is this on? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Oh my God. I can't hear a thing. Back scratches. Hey. You, ever, you ever watch Family Guy? Love Family yeah, Guy. Family my, so awesome. my, my son's 11. That's my humor Is that inappropriate for him to watch it? Yes. Probably. Yeah, you're how old? How old is he? 11. Yeah. Maybe. So my son. You know what do you do though as a parent? I mean, I swear to God, like so much that they they have access to a they have phones now. Well, so let me tell you what. Let me tell you a little story. How you guys? I had a great. I had a great time yesterday because so my sister's uh, well my nephew right my he's my godson my my sister's boy. It was his birthday yesterday, and so we had it uh, or she had the party at uh, laser uh, laser tag place laser quest. Have you guys ever done that? Laser I love quest. used to love laser tag. It's pretty fucking fun. So yeah. I got several uh, great experiences there yesterday. It was, it was a great time. So we're there and we're having fun. 
and we're ready to go in. And you know how you have to give them your name? Mm-hmm. And so, oh, you know, kids are trying to be funny, right? So they're yeah. like, oh, my name is, you know, Fart Face. Boner <laughs> Quest 59. Yeah. yeah. So my son, my son goes up there, little clever fucker. Yeah. And he goes up there and he goes, the guy's like, uh, what name would you like? And he goes, A55. It looks like ass. A55. Uh, uh, uh. At first, my son wanted to tell the guy Pen15. <laughs> so he that tells the guy A55 right God, I like your son dude, he's, he's a smart clever. little fucker can I just dude? tell you how proud I was at that I know moment? he's so he, dude all I had when I was a kid was that boobless remember on the calculator oh totally right that was like so, my go to so I used to have okay God I wish I would remember I used to be able to tell a story that you would mathematically add up. Oh, and then it comes and up. And then with, when you flip it upside down, it would say boobless. I yeah. can't remember. It See, like, this oh. is three girls met Everybody. two surgeons who did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then we had to tell the story, and, and they would add up to that. Yeah, then it would add up to that. Kids number. don't. Kids don't get that, and they don't understand that anymore. It's like uh, they but lost you, that. Yeah. But so anyway, so he says a five five. The dude puts it up, and then the guy realizes what happens, comes and actually writes out the words 5-5. Five, five. So it's like my son was like, oh, he caught me. <laughs> anyway, we get in there, right? And my daughter's scared at first because she's seven, right? And it's dark, and there's, you know, people are shooting at you, and it gets all aggressive. Well, about three minutes into it, man, she loses her shit. Not in a bad way. She loses her shit like she turns into fucking Arnold and Predator all of a sudden. <laughs> she's like, let's get all these people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she's like, she's like trying to dive and go crazy and she's jumping up and down. And she's like, I love this. <laughs> and so we're going through, right? We're just, we're just killing people yeah. left and right, taking kids out, right? Right. And there was, we go up and there's a kid on the floor laid on his back and he's just looking up with this blank look on his face. So I see this kid and I watch him for about three seconds because I'm like, maybe he's just, you know, whatever. Mm. So now I'm, I'm I, so then after about three seconds, I'm like, oh shit, something happened because there's lots of flashing lights going on in there, you know, when you're, when you're doing, and I'm thinking maybe he had a seizure or something. What? Oh shit. So I, yeah, so I kind of freak out. So I get down on my knees and I'm like, hey, hey buddy, are you okay? Like, are you all right? I'm like, and he shoots you. No, no, no. I'm like, are oh. you okay? Are you fine? Are, are, you know, what's going on, man? And he looks at me and he's like. Everybody keeps shooting me. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, get up. Get the fuck out of here. Get up and fight. What the fuck's wrong with you, kid? It's just lasers. God damn it. Son of a bitch. He just threw a temper tantrum. You know, like, uh, everybody. Yeah. I'm like, kid, I just thought something bad happened to you. And because yeah. of that, five kids walked behind yeah. me and shot me in my back. Well, maybe he's like he, the maybe, bait. You know what, what I mean? That's what like I his dad's behind it and just shooting and that's picking what, everybody off. That's what my brother-in-law said. He's like, yeah. he's, a, he's a fucking decoy, dude. He's a decoy. So anyway, we're done with that, right? So so we get out. My son went off on his own. We get out of the, the laser tag. My son comes up and he's like, he's like, I think I did pretty good, man. He goes, but then this freaking douchebag kept shooting me from the corner. And I'm like, douchebag? Like, where'd you learn that word, family guy? <laughs> yeah. So then he's like, what's yeah. a douchebag, by the way? And I'm like, uh... <laughs> Can you describe this yeah, in great so, detail? <laughs> so I explained to him what a douche was and mm. what a douchebag is. And I he's see. like... He stopped for a second. He goes... like a beavis moment it's just a bonding experience Uh, i totally bonded with my son yeah at that moment because i taught him what the word douchebag was wow (laughs) anyway all right these are things you have to look forward to uh justin when you're i know when your boys gets a little bit older when they get closer to being a teenager yeah and they start saying those things and you you laugh oh it's already happening yeah (laughs) the, the 
Man, I was trying to remember what um, he started talking about, like hashtags. Now, for some reason, he got into this whole hashtag. I'm hungry, Dad. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? Like, hashtag pull over. He's like, hashtag brown code for me. Like he kept saying, like I was like brown code because I would like fart or something. <laughs> hashtag brown code, Dad. Yeah. Like, what the fuck does this even mean? I'm a brown code, your yeah, face, yeah. kid. <laughs> it's like, I'll show you brown code. Yeah. Don't yeah. talk. It's so to great me. how the kids keep you young, man. I, my oh, man. my best friend is a a principal at a high school, so he like it's he he'll, he'll always like interject these like slang terms that I haven't heard yet, you know, because it hasn't because that's the first place, man. You want to stay up and up on like what's what what kids are saying and what's popular and what's trending right now. Go to a high school, you know, or go around some high school. So my best friend is around high school kids all day. So he's always got the latest and greatest, like the first. And he's he'll we'll be having like a normal intelligent conversation. Then he'll interject like some shit like that. I'll be like, what the fuck did it, you like, just throws say? you off? Oh, like, it totally huh? throws is this you like a thing? And, and he'll be like, Google it. Yeah, he'll be like, don't worry, you'll you'll get yeah. it soon. You know, you know, <laughs> son of a bitch. The best thing though is when your kid says something because they think that you don't know because you're not cool. Yeah. When really in reality, it's a word. It's been around for a long fucking time. Oh, they time. recycled it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so like my kid was, you know, was playing You're with You're pretty his, funny little shit. We used to say that when we were younger. Oh, dude. My, my, <laughs> my, my son, my son, you know, he's playing with his buddies and he's like, man, that blows. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm looking at him like, you probably shouldn't say that. And he's like, you know what that means? Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you have any idea? Like, come on, kid. There's a lot of words that you're going to be saying that you think are cool. Yeah. That are the first time. Maya generation invented that. Okay? <laughs> oh my god! It was so funny because like, so he's throwing all these like hashtag things out there, and like, um, my youngest, I mean, he's he's has like like ultimate timing. Like, so he'll come in like a bit later, and all of a sudden he's like, hashtag, I love cookies. What? And you're just like, what? <laughs> it's like, it's just so random. You know, he reminds me of the guy that was on Anchorman where he's just like, I love lamp. Yeah. You know, he'll say it like a really like random time. And you're just like, huh? And then he'll just die laughing at his this own This is joke. your youngest? Yeah. Yeah, because when they're real young. So how old is your youngest? He's four. Yeah. So yeah. so my daughter, she's seven. She's starting to un- she's starting to get like smart with her humor because when they're real young they try to be funny mm-hmm. and they're funny because they're trying to be funny not because they actually are funny yeah yeah so my daughter will be like oh I got a joke and then she'll tell this like long ass fucking story <laughs> and it's not funny at all yeah. and at the end of it she's like <laughs> and, like she'll start laughing and I'm laughing because yeah because she thinks she's yeah. funny because <laughs> no, none of it made any sense no it doesn't and I want to tell her I want to sit her down and be like listen you're like, you're, yeah. you're not funny you gotta have a setup yeah you know <laughs> there's a structure to this it's gotta lead to yeah I appreciate you trying but you suck the at punch this right line. now yeah so I want you to go home and pr- there's no punchline pr- go in your room and practice yeah okay I'm not laughing with you I'm laughing at you <laughs> but I don't say it because then she'll be devastated so can you now? Can you the the two of you? Can you tell, move. even though they're they're separate in ages and like what you're talking about, they're they're evolving as far as their humor. Can you tell already which kid is going to be the wittier one of the two of them? Like, does one of them have like this sharp humor? Witty, it's probably humor? hard to tell, but I I mean, one of them definitely he catch his timing. I think he's got down, but while the other one has all the content, so. I think that's the split. <laughs> they're going to be the duo. Yeah. Yeah. So for my, so my, my son, but see, they're different in age. So it's hard to, t- hard that's why I was wondering, can yeah. you tell, yeah. could you tell this, well, or is so, it just now starting to blossom in both of them? So me and my ex uh, have great senses of humor. It's humor is a big part of our, was always a big part of our family. And it's a big part of my, my extended family too. My dad, my, you know, my uncles, my cousins. Um, in fact, when I was a kid, 
one of the things that we would do when we would have family functions is the men, including the boys, we'd all hang out and we would tell jokes, dirty jokes or whatever. So it was always a part of our family. So my kids have been a part of it. And uh, so they, they, you can see that they have a well-developed sense of humor, but it's different. My son's is very sharp and witty and he does really well with wordplay. My daughter has got great physical humor. Like really good, which I love because mm-hmm. being a girl, I think sometimes there's a little bit of that stereotype where girls, they feel like they can't make funny faces or they can't fart or do that kind of stuff because it's not, you know, girls don't do that. My daughter does not give a shit. Like she will, <laughs> she will stand up on the table and fart or she'll make like the funniest, like distorted faces or, you know, whatever, totally not embarrassed, totally not self-conscious. And just crack us all the hell up, which I love. I love yeah, that she's great. confident enough to do that, and so I encourage it. So I hope she doesn't stop yeah, doing hopefully that. Hopefully, that that remains. Oh, dude. Yeah. I hope she doesn't stop doing that when she's dating. Like I hope she like blasts her boyfriend. Like she sits <laughs> and just farts on him. And if he gets offended or grossed out, I'll be like, "Listen, bro. Hey, man. You want to be with this trial hot, by fire? You want to be you know hot with mean? this hot Italian yeah. girl? You better deal with that. Yeah. Because she don't give a fuck. <laughs> like her father. That's right." Anyway, Take that. Yeah, so yeah. anyway. Dude, guess what I did t- this morning? What'd you do? For the first time in my entire life. Into, um, whoa. Mm-hmm. Wait. In for, your entire you life? You turned a new page? First time in my entire Tell life. Tell us. So I, uh, I'm i late to the party. Uh, I apologize, everybody. Uh, I'm late to the mobility party. I haven't, I've been kind of, it's been something I've been including, but I haven't made it like, it hasn't been my like ultra priority. And it's starting, it's moved up the ladder and now it's becoming like, super priority and uh i can finally sit in a squat not comfortably um it takes me a little takes me a while to get in there it's not comfortable but i can do it and i can now full-on bottom out squat uh not a lot of reps because it still requires lots of tension and still but i can do it now with uh i did it this morning with uh 185 which is not a lot of weight uh, but I, th- I think you have to train you know, uh, weight is ha- it's all relative, right? It's the it's the heaviest I can go with my current level of strength within that new range of motion and mobility. Any heavier, and I'm for sure gonna, you know, my form will be off or something, right? Mm-hmm. But I was able to bottom out and do reps with that first time ever, being able to get, like get my haunches down to my calves and sit in that shit. And so, uh, it's a it's a good feeling, huh? Yeah. It's it. You know what's crazy about it? Yeah. I haven't squatted more than uh, that. The 185 for a while. I, I I've squatted four plates in the past to parallel, right? But I've never gone super low, heavy or anything. My legs are looking better, dude. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's, I've been doing the same thing. It's weird, but it's not. I know better. Yeah, that's just it. Just goes to show you just how uh, <sighs> different mentality. Well, it just goes to show you how insidious. Your own ego is. Yeah, I know about all this shit, dude. Yeah. I know. I talk about it on the fucking show, and yet my own. Delicate ego did not let me, or I would not really recognize it and go beyond it. And finally, now, finally, I'm starting to break through it. And I'm looking in the mirror, I'm looking at my legs. I'm like, am I building muscle? Mm-hmm. This is fucking crazy. I've had the same exact thing kind of happen. And, and I attribute it to being in a gym where there's a bunch of little, you know, like the competition in there is pretty scarce. Let's just put it that way. Oh, so you don't yeah. feel like you have to. I don't to. feel threatened you know, or not, not even threatened, just like that I have to perform. You know what I mean? Like when you're in one of those kind of 
uh, golds or one of these more competitive type lifting gyms and environments, you just get into that mode where it's like, oh yeah, well I can, you know, I've been able to do 400 plus pounds, like no problem. Let me just rack this up. And then you just start racking it up. You're like, I didn't even want to do that. I just wanted to, you know, work on range of motion. <laughs> After you're done, like, what did I do? Yeah. I'm like, oh man, you know, I got caught into the trap again. I did that the other day and I had to bail. I had a bail. No way you dropped oh, really? it. Yeah, yeah. I was at, I was at gold. This was just like three days ago, and exactly what Justin was saying. I, I hadn't been there. I hadn't lifted there in a while, and it just so happened to be that like the squat racks were all full, and they were full of a bunch of dudes that were squatting good weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. in my head, I had came there to do something specific that ah. I was supposed to be doing. It is literally impossible to it not is. it you is know, stack the weights. It on. is, and there is a part of me too that wants to like. I'd be lying if I didn't say there's like I want to show off my extra mobility too. He's like, yeah, let me like, let I'll me show get you lower and I'll yeah, do the same yeah, exactly. Yeah, watch me watch do more this. weight and yeah. go lower than everybody around me and be and be twice the age as half of these fuckers it, are lifting next to me. So. How many? Oh, I know. <laughs> think of all the, all the problems I got that stuck your ego at the bottom. has caused. So what'd you do? Just uh, oh yeah. I I mean I was I'm smart enough to if I'm anytime I I get up to four plates. I mean I make sure to get the the my racks all set up in case I got a bail, but. I have been like uh, working so much on mobility that I I just recently I just did a deadlift video the other day, and I was thinking about I was like, man, when was the last time I I did a post on, you know, where my uh, my mobility and strength is like great I have, post by the way. Which which one? The, the last your last Instagram post. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, the one with the boards. Oh yeah, very good. I wanted to tell you that. Uh, well, God, man, I I'm uh, burning through Steve Kotler's book right now. Uh, I remember I, at the beginning of the year, I said I'm going to try and knock out a book a month. I'm about I'm about to complete February's book before February starts because the Steve the Stephen Kotler Rise to Superman is fucking dope. I mean, I I haven't connected with a book like this. And so the last book I just read, I said I didn't even probably crack my top 25 this will be a, a top 10 arguably a top five book for me that really I mean, yeah no, that, I good, that, that good and it just because of the stuff he's talking about too i mean i just i'm into you know seal team stuff i'm into you know extreme sports and and uh the, the elite level athletes and what makes them tick and go and and then what we're learning with all that and how the some of the i mean a lot, this is the stuff that i feel like i wish more sports would talk about because there are teams, there are uh, people and organizations that are implementing a lot of this science that we used to think was pseudoscience because there wasn't a lot of tools out there to measure what's going on in the brain. And we have the EEG, we have the fMRI, but it still is this unknown. So everybody, so everybody wants to discredit it like, oh, well, we don't know exactly. It could be this, it could be that. Oh, it's pseudoscience. It's like, no, motherfucker, there's there's too much now that we know that is consistent amongst all these elite extreme athletes and minds that are there there's enough. There's enough to show that something's going on. Do we know exactly what it is? Well, we're we're learning that, you know? And so there's already I think we know there's something. Yeah. yeah. That's where we're at. And and, and they're trying to define it all. And there's and there's Fortune five hundred. Most of your like big CEOs, especially where we're at in the Silicon Valley where these guys are these guys are the ones that are practicing this. And then not a lot of people are talking about it. The your your alter your uh, Golden State Warriors, your uh, your SEAL Team Six, these elite elite people are implementing some of this stuff that we were calling pseudoscience ten years ago, but it's obviously working, and it's working for some of the elite minds and elite athletes and elite bodies out there. I find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I've just I've been going burning through the book because it's so interesting to me. And then uh, this snowboarding trip 
was uh, kind of like a, not only was it for me to shut off um, from all my electronics and kind of get away from work a little bit mentally, also had an opportunity. I was with my my childhood best friend and his wife, and then Katrina, the four of us, were going to go ride. And I thought, this will be interesting. It's been two years uh, since I rode. And I'll have to be honest, the last time that I rode was around the same time that I was starting to give up playing basketball because I just started feeling it. The knees, the ankles, the low back, like, I mean, I was just like, damn, you know, I could still do all this stuff and still perform it decently, but my body was feeling it and talking to me. And so I had less of a desire to get back there and do that. And then when I was heading up to go on this trip, I thought like, man, let's, let's see how I, how I'm going to feel, you know? So I've got like all, I've stocked up on the painkillers just in case I feel like (laughs) shit, like, and I'm already mentally prepping myself for, okay, I should probably pace myself, take a little time afterwards, warm up really good. And, uh, you know, and I thought, okay, while I'm riding, I'm going to practice some of this like mental and breathing and flow state stuff. And I had my music that I was playing in my ears while I was riding. I tell you what, I haven't had a, a session like this riding in years probably since I was you know season pass holder in college and riding like every other day that I just felt so good and I'm not sore dude I'm and it's so it's unreal now I I don't attribute attribute all that to like the flow and the mental side although I believe that was a big piece of it a lot of it it was a reflection of all the mobility work that I'm doing especially when you talk about ankle and hip because ankle and hips anybody that's snowboarded before knows that uh, that that is everything. I mean, you're, you're if your knees get hurt, it's because of those it's one of those two things. Exactly. I mean that, and that's typically where if anyone other bothers him from snowboarding, it's and or low back, which me, goes back to the hips. Let me know. ask you this real quick: Did you, when you were doing the snowboarding, did you were you at all feeling like you were competing with people around you, or did you feel like you were in your fucking? Oh, space? I don't even pay attention to anybody. You know else. what's funny about mm-hmm. that? So here's what's interesting. When you just when you the story you just told about golds where you worked out and you had to bail on the weight, mm-hmm. it was about it was about other everybody people. else. It was about everybody else, right? And you know what's funny? You know who does this really fucking well? Who talks about this? When I take when I, the yoga classes I've taken, the good ones, the thing that they'll say, and people who do yoga, uh, they they know what I'm talking about. They'll say this one phrase. They'll say, "This is your own practice. Your practice is all yours. It's all about you." Move the way you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable with a pose, within a pose, come out of it and you know and stand there and wait for the next one. It's all at your it's all at your own pace. It's it's your own practice. If we treat our workouts that way, that's when we have our best workouts. Yeah, it has nothing to do with competing with people around. It's all about like being in your own, doing your own thing, and kind of shutting everybody else off. That's what you did when you snowboarded. Well, and this goes back to this, the whole idea and concept of flow state, you know, and the only reason, the only knock that I have anything to say about any of this stuff, which I I think is, uh, is not fair really, is that I I don't ever like terming something or naming something or, you know, because then it becomes like this, like, oh, I'm working on my flow. And I know I, I said that like in the post. (laughs) But that's the thing that I. But you know, no one's termed it. No one's named it. There is. I'm and, more flow. Than and you. so yeah, yeah, right. So I, I don't like. I don't want it to turn into this like cult like thing. The bottom line is that that's what I'm practicing. I'm practicing being a com- completely present and mindful of me and my body and not giving a fuck about everything else that's around me. Put a term on it all you want. I don't care. Uh, you know what it's called. The point is that I definitely see a huge difference in my performance 
when I when I practice this uh, ability to get into this zone where I'm hyper focused on my body awareness and what I'm doing and fucking a I had a ride. Yeah, dude. and it's a practice. Like oh. there's there's a lot of techniques where you can start like blocking things out and, and focusing on, especially if you have. Uh, if you're working or if you're you're going to play in a sport or, you know, whatever the activity is, you can literally work on blocking all these other distractions out and get better and better at, at being just 100% in this moment. So it, whatever that is, like you, there's a lot of different ways to get there. But, yeah, I know Stephen Kotler highlights a lot of ways to do that. So yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's he, helpful. And, and, you know, if you're somebody who's religious, you, there's they, they have terms for it. Everybody has terms for it. I just I'm interested in the science behind it. I'm yeah. interested in what we're, we're learning about it and what it does for us as far as performance and just overall health and what it benefits us. So very, very fascinating. Um, it's the current book that I'm reading probably by the time this airs. Uh, I'll probably be done with it because I'm burning through it so quick and I'll be on to his. I'm hoping to get done with this one and move on to his uh, his the one that he sent us that hasn't even released. It comes out. It op- that book drops in what, February something? Yeah. yeah. Like the Stealing mi- Fire. Yeah. Stealing yep. Fire drops, I think, the end of February, which I, I based off of what I'm reading in Rise of Superman, it is uh, probably... Um, so like Rise of Superman, it really defines what flow is and how it evolved and how they came about the term and how they track it and the science behind it. And then I th- and the examples of it throughout extreme sports and all these things. I think that uh, Stealing Fire is going to really dive into the SEAL Team 6 mm. and how they apply it and how they use it, which I'm excited. I'll to. read it. Yeah, but Rise of Superman, I think, is definitely a good prerequisite to that, especially if you're interested in the topic. Eagle! Bring on that bitch. Summon it. Ooh, he's focused. Oh, she's got a flow going. Today's Quaz being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. M. Ramey92 is asking how to take steroids safely. Oh. How, how to take steroids? <laughs> hey, kids. Hey, kids. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's have a little uh, discussion. First off, uh, let's talk about anabolic steroids and the myths surrounding anabolic steroids. Uh, they are derivatives of testosterone, or they are the actual hormone testosterone. Believe it or not, uh, they are, if used properly, relatively safe. And I say relatively because if you compare it to other things that people may do to their bodies uh, to achieve, um, you know, improved athletic performance. And of course, we're not talking about hormone replacement therapy here because hormone replacement therapy is healthy. If your testosterone levels are very, very low, you're better off, you know, medically speaking, you're better off bringing them up to normal. So in that particular case, you know, done, you know, recommended by a doctor. Well, isn't that the first place to start is to really check your levels and go yeah. get a blood test and all that yeah. with yeah, your maybe, doctor? Maybe we should share how I fucked up as a kid and why I pay for that now first. Okay, go for it. Because yeah, in in my, let's see here, I think it was 22, somewhere around, somewhere around there between 21 and 23. I don't remember exactly the year. But, uh, you know, I, I, I chose to do anabolics. And I've already, I had already been a personal trainer. I'd already... uh 
uh, felt like I was pretty versed in program design, understood nutrition and working out. And I just swore I was a hard gainer. I couldn't put size. And I had, I had put some size on, but man, the amount of work and effort that I had put in, I felt like I just wasn't getting big. And I saw other guys around me that I felt like they touched weight and they blew up. And I was just like, man, I'm just, I'm fucked. I'm never going to be, get this, be this big buff guy that I want to be. And I, I swore that, that steroids was going to be the answer. I thought, okay, if I hop on the anabolics, this is going to finally, you know, push me through that. And the How old were you in like 21? Early 20s. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't, to be honest with you, I don't remember if I was, I, I know I wasn't younger than 21, 22, but I wasn't older than about 24. So it's somewhere in that okay. range. Of, and, uh, and so I, t I took a stack and I, and I, I let a bodybuilder, it was actually a trainer who worked for me and he was a bodybuilder. Oh, mistake number one, man. I know, I know. That's yeah, horrible. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about how stupid I was when I was younger later. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, and I, I wanted to, and at that time too, I'd already bought like uh, the anabolic Bible and things like that. So I had a reference and I'd done a little bit of research myself, definitely not enough. And I let this guy put me on this stack and it was like, I mean, I was doing like 800 to a thousand milligrams of shit a week and boy i mean Fuck, first cycle too. yeah yeah right and there's so there's a lot of arguments behind this too so on first cycle doses like people say some people say you do just the little little amount because your body's going to respond so much because it's the first time it's ever felt it then there's other guys that will say that because your body is so responsive to the first time if you do a massive dose you're going to get these crazy amount of gains the first time that you'll never get after that and so to take advantage of that so there's two camps in the bodybuilding world as far as the amount of dose that you do um personally the biggest mistake i made was not thinking that uh the importance of coming off was as important in what i took and how i how i got on because i never had an issue with my sex drive i've always been um you know a horny kid and hey. so <laughs> So and then of course when you start taking anabolics it goes Solid. through the you goes through the roof it makes you feel like you're 17 years old again where you know you're driving around and you just get these midday boners out of nowhere which for a guy that's pretty awesome especially if you have somewhere to to deal with it mm. so I was I was uh, going through this this stack and what I was surprised to see was not a lot of weight gain I wanted it for weight gain I was six foot three about 180 pounds at this time. And I wanted to see, I wanted to see 200 pounds so bad, and I think I got up to about 190, and most of it was really water. I was strong as fuck. I mean, for that was I mean I watched I'll never forget watching every week. Uh, I mean I was grabbing heavier at that time. I remember dumbbell chest pressing, and I remember the and around that time I was like 60 pound dumbbells or so is what I was pressing, and then the next week it was like 70s, then 80s, then 90s, then 110s, then 120s. I was just like. Holy sh every week I was increasing my chest strength and it literally like doubled from when I started. I was just holy crap. You're just hulking out. Oh yeah. So I was strong as fuck. But as soon as I came off, um, you know, I felt this Did you do any post cycle therapy? I didn't. I really oh, didn't man. I really didn't do anything. And uh and I when I came off the that first time I didn't really notice uh, any defect as far as like my hormone levels or anything like that. It hadn't really registered yet. And uh, I knew that I, it, my first one, I was, I think I ran it for like eight weeks, something like eight to 10 weeks. And then I came off and I lost 
all the all the gains and i was just like so depressed that i did all this shit i worked so hard i felt strong as fuck all to get a few pounds of muscle and then feel like most of it had fallen off and i didn't take post cycle and the big mistake was you know waiting a few months jumping back on again and then that was the time the second time when i came off when i had really went through this like my sex drive was forever changed and then i forever was never the same as far as like this this sexual drive that I had leading up to that and you know then I stayed away from it for a very very long time because of that and later on ended up doing my blood work and seeing that you know now I was a you know 30 year old male who was 200 and something you know free tests like my test levels were extremely low and uh, forever affected me so it's and what I was most surprised on was that it wasn't the answer to getting big. Like, that's what really pissed me off. I really thought that, you know, of course you got strong, of course you see all the sexual stuff from it, but I, it wasn't the answer to getting me bigger, and I thought it was. I thought this was the last piece. I got everything else really figured out, but adding this last thing. So, you know, now when people come to me, and I get a lot of people that ask me about this, especially when I was coaching a lot of competitors, you know, that's always the first thing a competitor, They, uh, if you're somebody who competes, typically, if you care that much about competing and if you have aspirations to be like a pro, most people are smart enough to know that 99% of all pro men's physique or bodybuilders are on some sort of anabolics. It's just a matter of how much most of them are taking. And they know that at one point, if they really care about doing that, they're going to have to uh, do that if they're going to be in the IFBB league. So most of them, and that's the first thing they want to ask. And I'm like, listen, we're at the amateur level right now. Like your men's physique, like you don't even need it right now. I've taken many guys, natural guys from, you know, amateur level, you know, to the national level without ever even having to do any sort of steroids. So I think that's the big misconception is that you see these guys that are at the professional level, you see their physiques. And then in your head, you think, oh, it must be the anabolic stack that they're mm-hmm. taking that got them there. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. When it comes to anabolics, uh, here's your dangers. These are the real dangers now, not the, not the ones you'll see in the media that are you know, blown out of proportion. The big number one, you're, you're going to have to obtain them through the black market. So you're breaking the law and you're dealing with a drug dealer. Um, and the stuff that you're getting is not pharmaceutical grade. So you hear terms like, you know, oh, I got steroid fever or, you know, oh, I got an abscess or an infection or you, you don't know where this stuff has been mixed you, and you're literally injecting it inside your body. So there's no buffers like if you were to eat something, you know, if you were to take a pill or whatever. So there's that. That's a big danger. Uh, number two, the amount. People just take a lot. They take way too much. You don't need to take a shit ton to get results. If you feel like you need to take a lot to get any results, it's probably your workout and your diet that are the problem. And number three, uh, people spend a lot of time and money on what to take and how to take it. They don't spend any time and money on what to do when they go off. You know, post-cycle therapy is very important because it will shut your testosterone production down. It will, 100%. If you go on anabolic steroids for even more than a couple weeks, your testosterone levels will, natural ones, will plummet, and you need to focus on what to do to get them to come back to normal and uh, get a blood test because you can come off and do your post-cycle therapy. Be like, I, f- I feel like I'm okay. I feel like I'm back to normal. Go get a blood test and see where your normal your, your levels are 
because I know quite a few people who destroyed their hormone levels who can't get them back up to normal anymore, who now have to rely on taking anabolics for the rest of their life. And that's kind of a shitty place to be. Think about it. Like, well, you're looking at somebody that's like that. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the reason why I, I speak mean, if, about it is because I feel like more people need to understand that. It sucks. Like you want If you want to travel, if you want to go somewhere, like, what do, you, do I got to take them with me? Now I got to take syringes with me. Now I got to about you know worry about doing this, that, and the other. I got to worry about scar tissue. Um, it's just it's a it's it's something you really have to you should really pay attention to. But if you want to, you absolutely have to take them. Uh, do the least amount to start with, or do the least amount to get good results. Make sure you cycle them. Make sure that you have post cycle therapy. Make sure you get blood work done, um, and just really be careful with what you're doing. To your body because the problems that I've seen people have with anabolics has to do with just taking too much with not having the right precautions post-cycle, not having the right precautions for side effects. So they'll get estrogen will go through the roof and they'll get, you know, I know, I know, I, I know a few people who had to go have gynecomastia uh, surgery actually had to have breast tissue removed because they developed too much breast tissue from some of the side effects or oh i know a lot of a lot of bodybuilder guys that i remember the first time i asked the advice on that when i first started signs of that would be like oh yeah just don't even worry about it you just go get the surgery later on then you'll never worry about again just push keep pushing (laughs) you can take it out later i was like jesus christ dude this is the advice these guys are giving to people you know what's neat though is that here here if going back if i you know let's say i didn't change anything as far as taking them i wish that uh and i i feel like when I was in my early 20s, that it was very taboo still, where I think there's, I mean, now there's hormone therapists and doctors, and I feel like you can openly discuss this now, like it's not as taboo as it used to be. It's, still it's like the same level of like marijuana. It is, right? That's right. how I, I feel like it's kind of neat that we can we can discuss topics like this with, with uh, specific doctors. So now like, it's totally awesome. I can go get my blood work done and I can talk to my doctor and I'll just say, Listen, this is what I plan to do. What do you think? You know, yeah. like I want to I I'm, I'm going to do well, this. Think about that with your physicians, like how much they had to battle forever when people are doing things illegally and like introducing all these um, you know, like exogenous hormones in their body and all these different things. And meanwhile, they're trying to treat this person for a different ailment, you know, and they're not marking off that uh, you know they they're using at the same time because they don't want to get in trouble or whatever. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's like costing people their health because you know there's chemical reactions. Like you don't want to introduce another type of a medicine if you don't know the back history of everything. Yeah, so. and I remember the first Scary. time the first time I tried to mention it to my very first uh, doctor, and you know it was this, I had this like whoever my insurance you know sets you up with or whatever. And that's not who you want to talk to. I mean, you could. Possibly you have a really cool one. But I remember talking to that physician, and, and she was just like, oh, no, very bad for you. It's going to kill you, this and that. I'm just like, oh, great. This is not who I want to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. started doing my own research and looking for somebody who was like a hormone specialist. And that's who I took my blood. I went and got my blood work done somewhere, which costs like 200-something bucks for even if you don't have insurance. Because at that time, I didn't when I went and did this. And then I searched uh, out somebody who is an actual hormone therapist. That's what they specialize in. Took my blood work to him and said, hey, listen, this is what I plan to do. Um, I wanted your advice, you know, first. And, you know, and you just got to preface it with that because, of course, a lot of a lot of doctors still are going to be like, oh, don't do that, this and that. And you say, listen, I'm competing. I plan to do this. Like, I plan to go all the way to the professional level. There's no way with my shit genetics, I'm going to compete with the best in the world unless I'm uh, hormonally enhanced here. And so this is what I'm thinking 
what would you recommend? And then you can get advised. To me, that's better than asking a bunch of guys like us on a radio show. I mean, we could sit here and talk all day about the pros, the cons, the side effects, our own stories. But I mean, everybody is so uniquely individual. And I've heard Sal talk about this. Like some people respond to to steroids completely different than other people, just like they respond to exercises, just like they respond to nutrition differently. So nothing's better than going and getting your blood work done uh, and having a a physician or a hormone therapist. I I respond ridiculous to anything hormonal. I mean, when I I would take these over the counters back when you could buy designer steroids over the counter, I remember taking them and I just, it was like, goosh, like instant 10, 15 pounds. I go off and it it would go away. Um, But once you go down that rabbit hole, especially if you're dealing with any kind of a body image issue, which you probably are if you're Mm -hmm. seeking out anabolic steroids, you are going to feed that issue uh, in a big way, and it's a very difficult hole to climb out of. It's very difficult to lose the gains that you got, and you end up. You, I don't know anybody that's ever done one cycle. You know, it's always you know doing them on and off, on and off, on and off, and then at some point, or just always on. Yeah, yeah. or just always. Well, on. and that's the th- the thing is that at one point you have to. Uh, you got to make a decision. It's like anything else. You can get a, you can get addicted to that, and it's not like the actual testosterone is addictive. It's the feeling that you get when you're on the testosterone that it's, becomes. It's addictive. also the fear, though. Uh, that was the big one for me. It wasn't the addictive, like it feels great, you know, taking them. It was the when I go off, what's going to happen mm-hmm. if I go off for too long? It's like the fear of like without these, who am I? What am I? I'm not mm-hmm. the Superman anymore. So it's it's a, it's a rabbit hole that I would say. Look, if uh, there's a lot you can do with your extra workout and your nutrition. Um, and that will make tremendous uh, differences in your body. Um, that to me is the, that's the advice I give all of my athletes and competitors is like, listen, let's let's max you out first. Natural, you're going to be so surprised when I teach you how to eat really dialed and train correctly, consistently, how your body responds mm-hmm. before we introduce anything exogenous. Because here's the thing, like most at least 90% of the peers of mine and people that I know that take anabolics, they're, they're missing so many other major pieces in the rest of their programming, their nutrition. And it's like, even those steroids are awesome and they do all these great things for building muscle and shit. It's literally, it's really not that big of a difference if you're not doing the other shit really well. I bet a lot of them could cut their dosage way down if they just fixed their training. And their oh, diet. that was the big thing I saw. I mean, I don't think they could go natural, especially if you're competing, but I bet you they could get away with it. Oh, the men's, the men's physique uh, overuse of steroids blew my mind. Blew my mind. What I was told I was too big, and I remember that was the first time that I had pushed up to 500 milligrams of testosterone, and it was between two shows. And it was the first time that I placed out of the top five uh, when I was coming up the ranks. And uh, I remember talking to the judges afterwards, and they're just like, dude, you're like, you look like a bodybuilder. You're way too big. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I barely ramped up my, my milligram dosage thinking that that was going to help me between the two shows. So I'd appeal all the way back, and I think, like, I've got peers that are doing three times that, mm-hmm. that they, but <clears throat> they're not seeing the response from the testosterone because – one, they've either been taking way too much for too long and they haven't been cycling properly and or they're so fucked up nutritionally or on their programming. Their training sucks. Yeah, their training sucks. They're, <clears throat> they're seeing minimal results. And I think you've said it before, Sal, really well, is that, you know, testosterone just helps us get away with more. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you're sending an anabolic signal 24-7 and, you know, it leaves a lot more room for air as far as, you know, recovery yeah, and, and training. And then you can go in the gym and, and do all these pumping, uh, you know, isolation movements and... 
goes sideways on the chest press and does weird <laughs> shit. Like if you were natural, you would know oh, yeah. real quickly that that shit was a waste of time. You just you just you're, you're building some muscle, but that's because you're on some gear. I almost did a video with that uh, leg push down on the uh, assisted pull up just it. to just to be like, yeah, ooh, still ooh, that people. glute pump, yeah. There's that's still I, still like, people doing that shit, man. Yeah, I see it all the time. Bring it on, Douglas. Watkins are twenty three. Ryan Watkins. Ah, is that Ryan? Uh, maybe. I Probably. Believe. Yeah, one of our think so. Guys. Yeah. The best piece of financial advice for someone who is 22 years old. You know what's interesting about this question? I was looking at this question while we were talking about the last one, and you know, it's a different world for someone who's 22 now than we were 22, and I'll tell you why. The cost of education today is exponentially higher than it's it was when we were kids. The growth of the cost of, ex- uh, of education has far, 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 far exceeded inflation. And there's a lot of reasons why. One of the reasons is uh, we've injected a lot of money into education because our intentions were good. We're saying, okay, we're going to make money for school easy. We're going to give people loans much easier. We're going to make this, we're going to make sure more people can go to college by giving them more money. But what we, what we, what we, big problem that we do is that we don't, we confuse intention with the results. And what happens is we skewed a very powerful market signal, which is demand. And so we dramatically increased the demand for education mm. uh, and gave people more and more money for it. And so what you're going to get is you're going to get higher and higher yeah, costs. The colleges, yeah. they, they raise the money and therefore, but they're still willing to the, give you the loans. Of course. No they're, problem. They're fighting for more and more money. So someone in the past, what I would tell someone who's 22 is I'd say, oh, best thing you can do financially is invest in your education. Now you've got to be, you've got to be a little smarter about it because you've got to look and say, okay, if I get a you know PhD in whatever field, it's gonna I'm gonna have a debt of let's say hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which by the way is not out of the ordinary for a PhD. It just isn't, especially if you go to a you know quote unquote really good college. So let's say you graduate now, you have a hundred plus thousand dollars in debt, and the job that you now qualify for, which isn't guaranteed by the way, but let's just say you're great, you get a job, and now you're making seventy grand a year which is a lot of money for your first job at the age of 20 whatever with a, with a master's or PhD. Now you're making 70 something thousand dollars but you've got a 100 something thousand dollar debt. You're paying that off while you're trying to work, while you're paying rent, while you're doing all these different things. You got to kind of weigh all the stuff out. So the best one piece of financial advice I can give you is to look at all of these things objectively. Look at what you're investing your money in. Uh, with your education and what kind of payback you're going to get for it. So if I'm going to school and I'm getting a PhD in liberal arts, probably not, and I know I'm offending a lot of people right now with a liberal arts degree, probably not the best $100,000 debt, debt you can put into because there's not, many, there's not much work out there that's going to pay you the kind of money to pay that kind of debt off. You know, my, my sister went to school for uh, anthropology and she wanted to go and get a master's and a PhD in anthropology and she's already got a bachelor's and she's, she stopped halfway through and she's like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to make shit with all this and, and have all this debt. Like, I need to be a little wiser with uh, where I'm going to invest my money. Uh, now, of course, if you want to learn that stuff because you love it or whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying be objective mm-hmm. financially and look at all those things. So the best thing you could do is really invest in 
what's going to give you a, a re- what kind of return you're going to get for it financially, what kind of return you're going to get for it mentally, personally, mm-hmm. and weigh it out and see if it makes sense. Nowadays, so much things you can learn, so many free sources of education. Sure, you don't have a, you know, you might have a degree, but you might you learn these things. And if it's for just for the sake of learning, where you could learn them all. Well, and I think too, things. like. I mean, it definitely goes along your train of thought with that of finding your specialty in in uh, researching like other ways of investing into that education, but it doesn't look the same as it used to. So yeah. for me, like I would have just just to kind of like bring it into our industry, like I would have loved to spend all that money on all these workshops, on all these certifications and all these very specialized like foot specialists and like different people, like how it all interacts uh, with building up uh, a more versed understanding of the human body, because I know that that's going to be my field and I want to be an expert in my field. Uh, college doesn't really make you an expert in your field. I hate to say it, but I went through it and it doesn't. And it, and like, you really have to do your own due diligence to, um, figure out, like have a real heart to heart kind of conversation with yourself of like where you want to go. Uh, in order to not waste money, and e- even then, I don't feel like I wasted money. It's 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 the, the journey to to get to that understanding. So the the sooner you can get to that sort of understanding, uh, you know, then you can really start to identify where you want to put your money as a, as a good investment. That's what I'm saying. Like, you just just look at your debt objectively, because I know a lot of kids in their 20s, and the biggest thing, the biggest trouble that they have financially is that they're in, in massive debt. So be careful with debt. And, and every dollar that goes yeah. into debt, consider it investment. And here's some other advice, by the way. There's a few things you can do in your early 20s that you probably won't necessarily have the ability to do when you're in your 30s and 40s. And one of them is to travel. Hmm. And it's not that much debt to travel. You could travel for pretty cheap. Um, and so I would say... There's a look at you know learning things from other areas in the world. Maybe go backpacking, go on you know trips throughout the U.S. The U.S. is massive. My God, you don't have to go outside of the U.S. You can learn so much just from going around here. Maybe volunteer uh, for certain things. Like you could learn and make connections. Um, you know, doing things for pretty cheap. So just kind of look where you invest your time and money and what kind of return you're going to get for it. Um, and, and a big one, like I said, is is debt. That's a cool transition into where the direction I'm going to go because I'm going to go a total different direction than you guys. Uh, as far as like a f- financial advice, I remember um, going through early 20s. So I had bought my house at 21 um, and I was doing really well at a young age and uh, I spent a lot of money uh, being cool and you know paying for my friends and doing things that uh, I look back now were kind of silly and ridiculous and feeding my ego. And one of the best transitions that I made, and I don't remember, it was about my mid twenties when I kind of put this together because I had, I had all, I had different types of friends that were successful and did did a lot of different things with their money. So I've I've got this array of friends that are like super successful and then like are super tight with their money. They got a ton of money in the bank. They live in a very minimalist type home. They do hardly anything. They wear all their clothes from like you know, Target or whatever like that, they spend hardly any money, right? And to them, that is what's best to do financially, right? Like, you know, you just are very 
uh, super frugal. Yes, very frugal with your money, and you you look at spending money on the, a lot of things as wasteful, and you're always worried about what's happening, what's going to be happening in the next ten years, and making sure you're set up for that. Then I have other friends that make, I mean, shit tons of money, like, and they go through tens of thousands of dollars a month in just crazy stuff, like over the top, and but those are some of my funnest friends to hang out with, right? <laughs> and you know, so. I've got all these great examples that I've had around me for a very long time. And I remember, God, I, I really appreciate both sides of this. Like I, I, my friends that are, have all this money in the bank and they, they, they live a very minimalist type life lifestyle. I feel like they're super safe, man. They never got to worry about a bill. They don't, they don't live paycheck to paycheck. And I respect the discipline that they have applied to do that. And I, I want to take something from that. But then I have my other friends that, Whenever we got money and, you know, we, we don't, we don't like hold back on anything. Like we're going somewhere, like we're going big, like we're, 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 we're flying in the best plane. We're staying at the best place. We've got the best table at the best concert. And that's a fucking cool experience. And I like that. And so I go, okay, well, you know, how do I learn to have, teach myself balance financially with this? Because I love both ends of this. So, and I don't remember if I read this in a book somewhere sometime or what, but I remember when I first started applying, it was one of the best things I ever did financially, which was, okay, every month I'm going to look at my finances and at the end of the month, after I've paid my bills, I've got X amount of dollars left over. And whether that, and that's always changed depending on what, what job or where I was at financially at the time of, you know, sometimes after all the bills were paid, I had $500 left over and that was it. Sometimes I had tens of thousands of dollars left over. And so the way I justified spending or doing these like extravagant things was I only allowed myself to blow or spend on these things that other people would think are crazy extravagant or a waste of money as long as I saved that same amount of money in a month. So if I only had $500 that I had left over at the end of the month, 250 that I could blow on whatever the fuck I wanted to, and I would enjoy that process as long as I had to take the other $250 and I would invest it or I would save it. And I continue to do that my entire life uh, going forward, and I feel like it's created great balance for me. I've never, since then, I've never ever worried about paycheck to paycheck. I've always got a, a, a nice amount of money saved. I'm always invested in in multiple areas. And I feel like I'm I'm being present and I'm enjoying the fuck out of my life going through the process because I feel like both sides, there's there was major things that I felt like the other one was missing, right? You know, the the guy who spends all the month every month, he was he was missing security uh and planning in the future, which I think is is important, right? If we we fail to plan, we plan to fail. So I saw what what he was missing. And then I saw the, the other guys that were so stocked up and saved and planned for the next 20 to 30 years of their life and they were safe and never had to worry about a bill. But then I thought, God, how many times did they turn down when I said, yo, I got courtside seats to go here. Hey, let's go to this concert here. Or, hey, let's get on a plane and go fly over to Vegas and just, just go wild out for a weekend. You know, they never could come. They, they could never come. And in fact, it got to a point where I stopped inviting them to places because every time I'd ask them, it would be like, oh, that's too expensive or oh, I don't want to do that. And I remember going like, God damn, I know you got the money to do this, but doesn't want to do that. And I think that there's both of those extremes have uh, drawbacks to them. So I and I think learning to have a balance of both of them was was a very, very key uh, part of, of my happiness in my life. I think that I like to do things that are nice, but then I also like security. And so I think if I were to advise the 22-year-old self, uh, 
I would give myself that advice earlier. I think it took me a while before I put that together. And it was uh, very, very rewarding uh, for me to find that balance. I think that's excellent, Mm -hmm. excellent Mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll add one more thing that you want to consider. When people talk about saving up for when they're older, the vast majority of your savings when you're older, uh, when you're retired or whatever, the biggest expense by far is going to be for your health, for your health care. In fact, when you look at the amount of money people spend, it's towards the end, the last years of their life, and it goes towards keeping them alive or keeping them. Your health is one of the most important. If you want to save and set yourself up for the future, one of the best things you can do is just stay healthy mm-hmm. uh, because you could have two people, one with not that much money, one with a ton of money, but the ton of money person's got all these health problems once they hit their 60s and 70s. The other person is still working out, still feeling great, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Even the guy that saved all the money, he's going to blow through it and end up in pretty bad situations. So I would say, like, like you know, always maintain, always be, be aware of your health, take care of yourself because that's what's going to fuck you in the future. Yeah, which is opposite to what most people are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to just build up this hoard of of money by any means necessary, and they think that that's the, they throw their health away. off. Yeah, yeah. they're going to ride on that into the sunset. Monica SC ninety eight. How do you feed your kids? Whole foods or processed? It's so hard to compete with other kids' lunches these days. So, so what can you do? So I had an experience of this this weekend. So I told you guys about the laser tag birthday. Yeah. So we were out there and my kids now know, like when we're at a party, um, you know, they can have cake, they can have ice cream, but they always ask me, can I have another piece? Like they don't just go out and reach for it. They ask me, hey, can I have another piece or can I have this juice or can I have more, whatever. And inevitably parents look at me like I'm, because obviously the way I look, right, I'm a fit. Most people, most of them know I'm in the fitness industry and they look at me like I'm some kind of horrible, like overbearing parent or whatever. And uh, it's funny because, uh, so my sister, who's pretty health oriented also, I just talked to her this morning about the same situation, that same party. And she says that one of the moms there kind of had, you know, a conversation with her and gave her a dirty look because she told her kids, because her kids are like, hey, can we save the rest of the cupcakes? And she's like, no, honey, you know, cupcakes are just for the birthday. Once the party's over, we're going to give them away or throw them away. And the mom looked at her like, why? why? Why can't your kids eat cupcakes tomorrow? And my sister's like, well, tomorrow's not his birthday. Today's his birthday. And tomorrow we go back to eating normal. And I guess this mom kind of had a problem with her. And so my sister felt real bad. And she called me and she's like, you know, oh, was that who you were talking to when you came in this? Yeah, she's oh, like, I was wondering who you were talking. Yeah, to. my sister said, like, "What do I do?" She's like, "Am I being like a food Nazi or whatever?" I said, "Look," I said, first of all, no, I know you. You're not a food Nazi." I said, "But uh, it had nothing to do with you." Mm. When you say that, first of all, the mom A is probably thinking she's offended personally. She's offended, like, "Oh yeah. shit!" How, how she do you feels f- insecure with she, her own habits. That's how, her own habits or how she feeds her kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, what are you trying to say that I'm not good with my kids? I don't take care of my kids, or so funny, or maybe yeah. she's overweight and she's like, "Oh, what do you think? I eat like shit or whatever." And we you know we experience this as trainers. And my advice is this: I want to carry like a little like compact mirror around in my back pocket, so when people do stupid shit like that, I could just hand them a compact and say, "Here, take a look at this yeah, real look quick," at, and the then ans- walk away. Yeah, the answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, the answer is right here. <laughs> <He's in there. laughs> Open it, and the answer's yeah. inside. It's and me. then walk away. It's people like are like engraved in there. right, just like fucking confused. Oh, what? Yeah. I don't understand. Me? I don't understand. What does this? that mean? So you know, the, <laughs> bullshit. Here's the thing: like, you you want to be careful because if you restrict your kids or make it an issue, uh, at some point your kids will rebel. That's what kids do. 
And the way they'll rebel is they'll rebel uh, in the opposite direction of whatever you're mm -hmm. being too strict on. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like super con religious conservative, you know, sex is bad, your odds are if your kids are going to rebel, they're going to go get freaky mm. um, and have, you know, crazy sex. If I'm a super food Nazi and food is bad, don't eat that food, you'll get fat, whatever, they go off to college or whatever, they're going to go eat shitty food all the time mm. because they're going to rebel. So they live in the real world. They need to have a good relationship with food, which, uh, which means that you can enjoy <laughs> these things for special occasions and it's okay and it's not a big deal and connect to, you know, uh, connect to your body, see how you feel about them. The other thing you got to be careful with is how you talk about yourself. This is the one place I see parents fuck up. And I've worked with a lot of kids. I've trained a lot of kids. I love working with children. And I've worked with a lot of kids who have uh, eating disorders, uh, in particular girls. And I'm not, a psych I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But when I train these kids you know, for two or three hours a week for years, we have conversations. And they usually bring them up. And half the time... These kids have an eating disorder or a bad relationship to food because it's something that their mom or dad said to them. So it's like a girl who says, oh, my mom says I was fat or my dad says I was fat. That's the obvious one. The other half, 50% at least that I've seen in my experience, it's nothing that the parent said to the kid. It's what the parent said about themselves. So the kids will say like, mm. oh, well, my mom used to always talk about how fat she was mm. or you know, she can't eat something because she's fat or she's on another diet. And so it made me, I just kind of thought of that for myself. And that's the one that's not so obvious. And that's the one you got to pay attention to. How do you talk about food for yourself? How do you treat food when it comes to you? So example, you're at a birthday party. Your kid is, eat, you know, they, they're handing out cake. They give cake to your kid. Then they go to hand cake to you. Your kid's right next to you. You're not even, you're not even uh, aware of what's going on. And you say... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting a little too fat or I don't want to get fat now. You keep that cake for yourself. Mm -hmm. Your kid who's, about, who's eating that cake right next to you is going to internalize that. They're going to think because remember, your child probably looks up to you. You know, your mom or dad, like you're their hero. You know, if they hear you say, I can't eat that because it's going to make me fat or, oh, my God, I got to wear a bathing suit next week. I better not eat these foods. Your child is going to apply that to themselves. Yeah. So really it's about your your habits and your own, how you just naturally eat. It's not even so much making a big deal about it. It's what you guys eat together, how you talk about the foods, mm -hmm. how you feed yourself. Like my kids eat healthy for the most part because we just give them healthy food. It's not, it's not even, it doesn't have to be a conversation. Yeah. If we're going to have ice cream, however, I let them eat the fucking ice cream. Yeah. If I see them eating a lot of ice cream, then I'll tell them, hey, Slow down because if you eat too much, you might have a tummy ache or it might make you feel sick or you might feel nauseous or you might get really, you know, you might feel really bad afterwards. And then I leave it at that. And then what do you think happens when they feel bad afterwards? Oh, my tummy hurts. It's like you probably ate too much cake. And I let them make the connection. I don't make a big fucking deal about it because I can, you can go in the opposite direction. You know, you can push it so hard that then your kid has a, has a bad eating relationship with food uh, or a bad relationship with food because of that. So, Would, so on that note, I feel like it, it it would also be a good idea that when you're eating meals that are well-balanced and good foods like vegetables and fruits and things like that, that you would express how much you enjoy them and how good how good they are and how good you feel as a parent so they see that, right? So you talk about 
don't don't you know uh, demonize foods in front of your kids or don't beat uh, beat yourself up by calling yourself fat in front of your kids. But then I would I would challenge you to do the opposite then too, right? Which would be totally. to express how good you feel yeah, because well, you want to educate them as as you have this like food out there and, and displayed and they, like a lot of times like for me and my kids it's really just it's, it's an educational process of um you know why are we eating these types of foods together and uh what it's doing for your body what kind of nutrients you're getting you know what kind of fibers are in this and um just you know a little bit beyond i have to like describe things beyond the flavor because i feel like that's that's a trap that um you're going to you're going to fight all these processed foods that have engineered in them all these different flavors and uh triggers that your your brain get you know just responds to it and it craves it mm-hmm. and and so for me it's it, it, it you know, I'm just like trying to be consistent as possible. I think that's the biggest thing is to just consistently keep providing them with healthy foods, even when they reject it. And I know they're going to reject it. And really the less of a big deal you make it, the better. Like when I'm at home and I'm feeding my kids, I don't say anything, but I'll serve them their vegetables first. Mm -hmm. Or it depends, depends how they've eaten for the day. Right. I know what they've eaten during the day. And so I will, I won't even say, I'm not going to, I don't put all the food out and be like, Hey, listen, before, don't eat that yet. Eat that. I just, here's your vegetables. Go and eat that real quick. And, Oh, do we have anything else? Yeah. We have other stuff coming too, but go and eat that first. We're going to eat this first. And just don't make a big deal about it. You know what I'm saying? Or if I think my kid is just, if I know that for breakfast they had pancakes and for lunch they had fucking piece of bread, then for dinner, if I have rice, I'm going to serve them a smaller bowl. They don't know what's, they don't know exactly. I'm not doing it. I'm not telling them about it. I'm just giving them a smaller bowl. Mm. Or if we go get ice cream, you know, I see parents do this. They'll give the kids a big ass thing of ice cream. Then the kid is halfway through and then they'll tell their kid, okay, you're eating too much ice cream now. Like, look, fucker, you gave them all that. Just get the small amount of ice cream and give it to them and then don't make a big deal. Even then, like as much as you want to manage all this stuff, like they're going to change and their, their entire flavor palette's going to change. And like all of a sudden one day, they're going to request all these healthy things because they've seen you eat this way for so long. It's like it literally is just being as consistent as you possibly can be. That's where I was going to go. Is I, don't you guys feel like the the number one thing as a parent is just being that example? That's not it. even talking. 100%. Like not even talking. Because like, kids are fucking smart, you get, man. You get inside your own head about these things. And I get pissed off a lot. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking battle. Mm-hmm. And I know other parents can express the same angst as far as like getting your kids to eat healthy. It's a battle, dude. You know, are you going to lose the battle or are you just going to keep at it? Yeah. And you just every day, just just be as consistent as possible with yourself. Um, you know, kids go through phases. They they go through rebellious phases. They go through, uh, you know, phases where they're like little angels and they're like, oh, my God, I love this phase. And then they go into another growth period where, you know, mom's not cool anymore. Or dad's not cool anymore. Or whatever. You know, it's just like this whole process for them to, to grow up and develop to become a human being. And so it's like we put all this pressure on them to, like, decide these things right away. It's like you just have to be an example. No, something you said, Adam, uh, about you know instead of saying no because I'm gonna get fat, say yes, I want to eat this because of this. You know, yeah. be positive. Here's the other thing too that I do um, when someone offers me because if I'm at a party, you know, people will always offer. They're being polite, right? And they'll see you turn it down. They'll right? see me, and you know what I say? They'll say, "Hey, Sal, you want your uh, here? You want some cake?" And I'll be like, "No, thank you." And then if they say, "Well, why not?" And I'll be like, "You know, I just it, it just doesn't make me feel good sometimes when I eat it," or 
uh, my stomach hurts right now or um, I'm full. Like I'll just say something else. I, 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 I'm very cognizant now of saying something like, uh, oh, make me fat or I don't like, you know, yeah. very careful. Like, and I'm it, good. Dude, it happened yeah. to me. It actually, it. it actually happened to me. My son was three or four. I don't remember how old he was, but my mom went to give him like a treat. Mm-hmm. And my son at that young age said, no, that, that, that will make me fat. And she told me about mm. that, and I was fucking devastated because I knew that was my own fault. Like I knew yeah. he must have heard me say, I'm, I got to get leaner or something. Like, I knew I said something about my. I said, never say that to a four-year-old. It's because it's something I said to myself. So just, just be careful. And just like I said, the way you word it uh, makes all the difference in the world. And uh, the other thing, too, is like what Adam was saying is uh, sometimes if someone offers me something, I'll say, no, thank you, but do you have more of those nuts? Or do you have any more of that, you know, whatever – just so they could see me choosing those healthy things, mm-hmm. which is what I would do anyway, but I'm just very aware of how I'm saying those things while they're present and hearing me. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. Listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you're going to get a free Mind Pump t-shirt. Also, by the way, if you want to ask us questions that we can answer on these episodes, you go to Instagram. Find us at Mind Pump Radio. Now, you can find my personal page at Mind Pump Sal. Adam has a personal page at Mind Pump Adam. Justin's at Mind Pump Justin, and Doug's at Mind Pump Doug. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.